Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Hi, Moth family. We hope you're staying safe and healthy. As you may have heard, we've postponed all of our live events through May 10th. But here is some good news. In addition to new episodes of the Moth Radio Hour and Moth Podcast, we're bringing you our first ever virtual main stage. All together now, the Moth Live in your living room on Wednesday, April 15th. For more information, head to our website, themoth.org. We hope you tune in, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host, Dane Wilburn. This week, a story from Carly Johnstone. She told this at a daytime show in San Francisco where the theme was switching gears. This was an unconventional moth show, as you'll hear, because Carly was telling her story outside at the Tour de Fat Festival when we partnered with New Belgium Brewery and their celebration of beers and bicycles. There are birds chirping and people milling about, but Carly holds her own, as you'll hear. Here's Carly Johnstone, live at the Moth. All right, so um, when I was a kid, having my bike taken away was pretty much the worst punishment imaginable. I was a foster kid, so I'd been in a lot of homes, but all of those homes pretty quickly realized that my bike was the key to some measure of good behavior, at least for a little while. Um, by the time I was 14, I landed in the McGregor Baptist Children's Home in Fort Myers, Florida. And um, it had all of the cozy warmth of any institution that's afraid its inmates may attack at any time. Um, and everything in the home was on a point system, so everything was assessed. So did you make your bed, and were you ready for Bible study? And what was your vocal tone? Did you help the small children? Did Everything you did was assessed and given a point, and then those points were added together or taken away and put on this gigantic white board in the middle of the home. Um, and on, on the board were the medals. So there was platinum and gold and silver and bronze and copper. And those medals denoted your level of freedom. Could you go outside today or use the phone or stay in your room or have an extra five minutes in the shower? Everything was graded. Um, but the freedom that was dearest to my heart was could I ride the bikes? Um, only gold and platinum were allowed to ride the bikes. Um, shockingly, I was rarely allowed to ride the bikes. And even when you were allowed to ride the bikes, it was only in the carport or at the end of this cul-de-sac where the home resided. But even with those restrictions, it became like this, this huge symbol of freedom for me. Um, and I moved into the home in late November. So I was like, yes, just in time for awkward holiday dinner with strangers, with bad food and worse conversation. But um, this time was a little different because there was a boy who moved in at the same time as me. His name was Tom. Uh, he was combative and slightly violent and really sarcastic. And I, I just loved that. Love that about him. Like, I instantly found a kindred spirit, and I also found um, company for the bronze-copper level of our world. Um, and 
Tom and I, when we were allowed outside, we would, we would lay on this, this merry-go-round and, and spin and watch the sky spin and come up with all of these stories, all the things we would do when we were older and when we were out and when we were free. But inside the home, the environment there was just becoming like more and more suffocating. It felt like every point that was taken away was just another piece of ourselves that they were taking from us. And so we decided we really needed to come up with a plan that was um, more immediate and actually achievable. So we found a notebook, and somehow that notebook became the path to our salvation. We started having these secret little furtive conversations in it because everything in the home had to kind of be silent. And um, in, in the home, there had to be a constant ratio of counselors to children, even at night. So we made bullet points and timetables and started filling them in. We started making a plan. And we picked a date, and soon we were pretty sure we were ready. And night fell. And I put on my Doc Martens, and I got pillows and clothes and stuffed them under my covers, like some lumpy facsimile of myself. It was very original. And, um, and, and I laid down on the floor, and I held my breath. And I heard the footsteps coming down the hallway, and I watched the door open, and I saw the flashlight go through the room, over, over, over my bed. It seemed like it lasted way too long. And then... It went back, and they closed the door, and they kept walking, and I almost peed myself when Tom knocked on the window. Um, but I got up, I made it, and, um, <laughs> and it was just him, and he was trying to open the window from the outside, and we had spent the last week on super good behavior so that we could get outside privileges. Um, we had broken the locks, because at the home, all of the locks were on the outside of your windows. And I had gotten kitchen duty, and I had gotten olive oil and paper towels and greased the frames so it would be quiet, and we're both working on this window, just hoping, and it, it went up. It went up with no sound. And I jump out of the window, and we're crouched down in what we really felt were, like, stealthy poses. Um, and Crab walked across the asphalt towards our goal, which was the bike rack, of course. And the home had, like, over 20 bikes there. They're all donated by our holy sponsors. And we had been eyeing our, our prizes. Tom chose this big black mountain bike with aggressive tires and pegs on the back. And I chose this bike that looked like it was from a different era. It was pink. And it had a big banana seat and a basket on the front. And it, all it was missing were streamers. And so we took our bikes and we crouched and walked quietly up to the main street. And um, we got on our bikes. And I realized, like, we had made it. We were, we were totally awesome. We had gotten out. We had made it out of the house. And um, we just looked out because Florida is really flat. It's, there's, like, no hills to speak of. And it just stretched ahead of us, like, this wide expanse. It felt like the beckoning hand of God asking us to conquer it. And we were ready for that. And we started our ride with congratulations about our amazing and daring escape. And... Um, sang horrible, horrible songs to each other and laughed and, um, you know, just mocked each other and, and laughed. I felt like the first time I had really, really laughed in years. And everything was so quiet. There were no people and there were almost no cars. And it just felt like the whole world kind of took this breath for us to give us this night. And we rode down Colonial Boulevard, Boulevard um, towards the center of town and... 
you know, tried to knock each other off, and I flashed him, and we both almost fell off our bikes, but somehow we kept going. And we hit Summerlin and made a left, and we saw a cop, and we ducked into this driveway on the right, like criminals on the lamb, and we found ourselves in this huge cemetery filled with crypts and gravestones and just tons of space to explore. And we started riding around there and making up stories for all of these lives that had passed, all these, all these dreams. And soon enough, you know, our time was almost up. We only had two hours between rounds at the home. But I realized like no one was grading us, no one was assessing us, nobody was giving or taking points, and we were taking back something. We were taking back something that this home would never really feel like we deserved anyway. And um, it was just he and I in that space, and it was so quiet, and, and it was finally enough. Um, but we made the ride back, but we knew we'd have to do it over and over again, and we did. Every night that we could, for the rest of the time Tom and I were in that home, we made that ride. It was two hours and seven miles of freedom. And Tom, um, he's still my friend, and he is still my brother-in-arms, and a lot of those dreams we made up, a lot of them did not come true, but some of them did. And, um, but that feeling, that feeling of riding with your arms outstretched, laughing in the wind, with everything ahead of me, I still dream of that. Thank you. That was Carly Johnstone. Carly is now a nursing student starting yet another adventure, but she's still waiting for that bike with the streamers. I feel you, Carly. That's all for us this week. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Dame Wilburn is a longtime storyteller and host at The Moth. She's also the chief marketing director for Twisted Willow Soap Company and host of the podcast Dame's Eclectic Brain. Podcast production by Julia Purcell with help from Rowan Nemisto at WDET. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.